What's up, world? Welcome back to Unsolicited Gems, podcast where we give you advice on shit you didn't ask for. I am one of your co-hosts here, and I'm joined by my good friend, Jaranda. What's happening, girl? Happy Wednesday. Wednesday is hump day. It's hump day. What's going on <laughs> over here, though? We working. I can listen. Also, no humping is going on over here. I just told you that my husband's in the doghouse, but we're not talking about that. No, no. Right that's now. another story for another time. <laughs> and worse is that he doesn't even know he's in the doghouse. I'm finding the word to articulate my feelings to him. So he is oblivious to what is happening in my brain right now. <laughs> so today's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of topics. We're going to kick things off with something all the moms out there, I'm sure, are very familiar with, mom guilt. And then we're also going to talk about having uncomfortable conversations and lessons learned and how we go about that thing right there. So, you know, difficult, uncomfortable, <sighs> all of the things, all the things. All the things. So, Jaranda's going to kick us off today with her. She's got like a little launching pad for us to talk about mom guilt. Take it away, my friend. So, I mean, for me, mom guilt, it, it's it's a heavy little burden that I carry. And it's it's just, it's one of those things like for me, like, you know, I'm constantly thinking about my children. I'm constantly thinking about what I can do for them, how I can be beneficial to them. And in those moments when I take away and I try to be selfish for myself, I either talk myself out of it or it just completely doesn't happen because I begin to say, well, if I do that, then that takes away from what I could be doing for them. I haven't, listen, I think I've probably purchased clothing for myself maybe once in the past two years. Once or twice, once for the wedding trip, because I was like, okay, going to Cancun, we definitely need some things. But I also purchased things for them, too. So I guess that's how I kind of got over the guilt. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you become so consumed with making sure your children are good. And it, even when you know they're good, you still feel guilty. Only for me, I went to the Sarah Jakes Hope Revival this past Monday. And while I didn't purchase my ticket, it was purchased for me by a friend. It was a birthday gift for me. Her and I went. The entire day, I became consumed, and I kind of kept it to myself. I became consumed with leaving my child, you know, even though I was leaving with her with her father, being away from her for these hours to do something for myself that was going to be beneficial for me and for her and for my family, ultimately, because if I work on me, you know, that in terms will help me be a better parent, a better mother. But I became consumed with it so much that, like, I started almost talking myself out of it. And it's like, how do we navigate getting past feeling like everything has to be about our children. And I mean, and even, you know, not even your children, your spouse, you know, like I definitely experience guilt when it comes to being a wife, when, you know, I do things that will take away from things I could be doing for my husband. So it's, it's a whole ordeal. And 
I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Like, I literally bought, I bought this book. And it's called The Artist's Way. For those of you who know me, you know I'm a very creative soul. But I've gotten away from, like, my art. And so I bought this book because there's this artist that I follow. And she talked about how she got in a rut. And she bought this book. And this book helped open that part of her up again. And so I began to read the book. And in the book, one of the things it requires you to do is to take yourself on an artist date. Where it's just you, a book, a notebook, or a sketch pad, or whatever your, you know, avenue of art is. And you just kind of take yourself on a date to do something artsy. Whether it be you going to the museum and just sitting there sketching, or, you know, whether it be if you're a writer, just sitting there writing mindlessly, or like it. And so I was like, mm, that sounds good. Where do I have time? Yeah. So I essentially put the book away. And I have not picked it back up. That's how bad my mom guilt is. Oh, and to make it worse, I think I bought <laughs> that book like a year ago. Okay. I... I struggle with a little bit of mom guilt, but not nearly as bad as you. And I think this is the dichotomy of our personalities, right? In the, not the last episode, but the episode before, we talked about my toxic trait being my I don't care is very strong. It is different. It's a different I don't care with my kids. It's more of a, the kids will be okay. And... I talked about previously that, you know, for the first seven years of my son's life, my husband worked an opposite schedule for me. So I felt like a single mom. I did every, like everything that I had was, yeah, I took care of the things that I needed to take care of for home, but I was totally consumed with being a mother. Every waking moment of my day was given to somebody or something else. So my kid... My husband, my job. There was very little left for me. And I started to question myself, like, when was the last time that I did something for me that I enjoy? I love my alone time. I love my husband. I love my kids. But sometimes I just need a minute to be by myself. And I, one day I just told my husband he was home and I said hey I am leaving this house I'm gonna be gone for however I'm gonna however long I'm gonna be gone if I need you I will call you if there is not blood involved please don't call me and I left and I went and did whatever it was I think I went and got like a mani-pedi I probably walked around Target you know did all the things that we do and I felt so refreshed coming back home like I missed my husband I missed my kids but if I would have never taken that time those two or three hours to myself I would have sat in this place of frustration and anger and resentment towards my husband we would have been arguing for two or three days I probably would not have shown up the best way that I could for just my son at the time right and from that day forward while I want to be 100% for everybody in my life, I realize that 
don't take care of myself, I cannot show up the way that I want to for everybody else in my life. And I don't know where I talked about this, but you know how you get on the plane and the flight attendant does the whole safety thing and they tell you put the oxygen mask mm-hmm. on your seat first mm-hmm. before you can help somebody else? Listen, that I have a struggle with that me. every time I get on the plane and they say that. If I'm on the plane with my children, I'm like, you want me to what? Yes. Mm-hmm. How can you help your children if you yourself are dead? So what happens if you die with, with the children? Make it make but sense. But make it make sense, though, because... If I don't put it on them, they dead too. But this is going to sound very morbid. But I can make more children. That's gonna, that is going to sound terrible mm-hmm. to other people. I know that. But I can make more children. I will mourn the loss of you. I, you will forever be in my heart. And, but I can make more children. See, right? The crazy thing about it for me is... I don't remember having this kind of mom guilt when Amari was this age. Like, I had a healthy balance of, you know, okay, I'm going to do this. But I think it's because, I don't know. So, like, for me with Chloe, Ronald and I work opposite schedules. So, I work from 8 to 5. Monday through Friday. His schedule is from, what is it, 1 to 10, Tuesday through Friday, right? But then on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, he works an extra job from 8 to 12, right? So in a sense, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, he's literally gone the entire day. So I am literally here with the tiny terror for the most of the day because she goes to daycare half a day, right? Eventually, the plan plan is for next school year because this will be her. The next school year will be her last year. She can she you know can be in daycare before she has to go to school for real. It's to put her in full time then. But right now, it's I take her to school from eight thirty to twelve thirty. When she gets out of school at twelve thirty, she's here with me. When I get up in the morning, she is up and at him with me. When I come up here to get, you know, logged on for work and to start working, she's up and at it with me. She's in here with me. She's in my face. And you would think that amount of time, because listen, I don't under, I don't know how parents that homeschool and are at home all day with their little ones, I don't know how they do it. Big ups to y'all. Because I, like, we've had the debates in the morning where she's like, you know, Lasterday, because that's what she says. It's not yesterday. It's Lasterday. Lasterday, you said, I didn't have school today. No, baby, that was yesterday. You didn't have school yesterday. Oh, but today. You got it and you're going. You're going. It's paid for, and you will be there every day the doors are open, unless you got a fever. Yep. 
Because I'm not beyond, you know, if you got a little a- allergy or something, I will give you your allergy meds to send you straight on to school. Yeah. But uh, if you got a fever and you sick and, you know, you're going to get a kid something, no, you, you, you have no choice but to stay home then. But other than that, you're going. So you would think that that would make me not feel guilty. But then it's like, oh, and, and on top of that, the fortunate thing about us is that we have, you know, Chloe's grandmother, Ronnie's mom, gets her every weekend, you know. So she's with her Saturday and Sunday for the most part. Unless, you know, she has something going on or Chloe's not feeling well or she's not feeling well. But for the most part, she's with Grammy. But so you would think that would make me not feel guilty. But there's something, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it started or where it came from. It is what it is, I guess, huh? Oh, I I think that's probably something you need to talk to your therapist about. Let's get to the root cause. I need to find a new therapist. No, I just... For me, mentally, I tell myself and my husband often that... I give y'all everything and Mm -hmm. I deserve to have things that are just for me that I have time just for me because where's my time for that? You have to make it my dear. Because literally when she's not here, I'm working and we're, we're recording this right now. I'm, I'm literally normally when we record, you know, I'm on my craft table. I'm literally at my desk with my laptop my personal laptop and my computer for work behind me because I'm still working and I have to pick her up at 1230. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like you, like with you and Michael, Michael's home in the, in the evenings. Right. So you're able to say, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to take this time. I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to the, even if it's to go to the grocery store, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like for me, it's a, and I think that maybe where the root of my guilt comes from, I think that because yes, I'm here with her all day, but it's not a quality time with her all day. You know what I mean? Like I'm working from eight to five. So even though she doesn't get home till like 1245, I'm really not available to her until after five and that's on a good day if I'm not working late because I got stuff to catch up on like today will be a late day because I I didn't go in yesterday the migraine got the best of me but so I think that's where the guilt comes from and then it's like the wife guilt that is coupled with that Mm -hmm. is that he and I are passing we're we're just passing during the week. Tonight. Yeah. So on the weekends when he's off, you know, it's like, okay, we haven't had quality time with each other alone. So on the weekends, Saturdays is our day. And then Sunday we pick Chloe up, we go to church, we have family day. And so it's like, 
where where where's the time for it? Like the, and I like I said, I think that's where the guilt comes in. I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. I probably don't spend as much quality time with my children either. But I think like at least with Mackenzie, y'all have y'all little hair routine. Like that's y'all's time. Yeah. Listen, I'm so lazy when it comes to Chloe hair. I be I looked at your video when you posted that and I was like, oh, that's so cute and sweet. That the Chloe hair has been in the same ponytails that I put them in the day before yesterday. And they will probably be that way for the rest of the week. I should do better. I really should because detangling that when I did it the other day was not fun. I I find like small pockets of I find small pockets of time to like dedicate for each kid, right? So with Ethan, sometimes it's hey, I'm going to run to the store to go pick up something. Come ride with me. And then I can get like one of the things that I cherish is the pick up and drop off time for school so in the mornings pick up is all three of us in the house getting ready together you know Ethan's doing his thing and getting himself together I get to love on Mackenzie when she lets me in the morning and getting together we round up in the car we're either listening to something on the radio that Ethan and I can chat about or I'm listening to a podcast and he's like old enough now that we can have even just a brief conversation about some of the things Man, that we may be listening to. Or I'll ask him, you know, like, what's going on at, at school? So we get that opportunity to chat in the morning. And then with Mackenzie, I like being able to drop her off in the morning, kind of see her off in the day. My, my pet name for her is Toots. And now everybody, in, like, at the daycare, they all call her Toots now. That is so funny. Um, because Holly calls almost every kid toots. And I just be like. <laughs> I love it. I just like these pockets during the day. to it's and, and especially like when it's a very stressful time. Yeah. One of the things that I found is like taking a step back and just taking a breather. And sometimes that is taking five minutes to go. And love on my husband if he's in the other room and I'm stressed about something just to go shower him with kisses and get a hug, blah, blah, blah. Or Ethan is in his room. He's been in there for three hours and he ain't came out and I'll just go in there and, and mess with him for a minute or go annoy Mackenzie because she does not have time for me. She's like, I'm doing my own thing. Leave me. Be. I wish. God, Unless I'm going to ask me for some food or whatever. So, yeah, I just found like these little pockets during the day and when I really think about my kids we work hard to make sure that they have everything that they need right mm -hmm. you and Ronald do the same thing right but realizing that our kids need far less than we think they do they need to feel loved and secure heard and valued we do all of those things for our kids a lot of it is, and I'm not saying that this is your case, but it has been for me a lot of the time. So society sometimes put this, puts this pressure on us that we have to 
do all of these things and spend all of this money and spend all of this time, if not, that makes us terrible parents. I don't believe that at all. I believe that I am, I am doing the things that I need to do to prepare my children to be out in the real world, right? My son is 14. We are now, I want him, Ethan has this innocence about him that I love, but I know that he's out in the world with children that don't come from the same type of household that he does. And right. so I want to make him really fucking sure that at home you can be whoever it is that you feel like you want to be. You can say what's on your mind. You can ask questions. You can do all of those things. But I also need you to realize that out in the world, just because of what you look like, how you talk, the things that you're interested in, you're not always going to be accepted by everybody. So it's those types of things that I'm making sure that I'm instilling in my kids and trying to find those pockets of time that I'm spending with them that is quality and that are the things that they're interested in, that I'm listening, that I'm doing the things that they want to do. My A lot of my mom guilt stuff comes from not providing my kids with enough experiences because my husband and I are such big homebodies. Mm-hmm. We've created an environment where we kind of give them everything that we think they need at home and we don't always venture out to explore other things. That is probably the root of a lot of my mom guilt things. But I say all of that to say our kids need far less than what we think they need. And I'm content with knowing that my kids are happy and healthy, that I'm checking in, even with that little one. So like last night, perfect example. She was throwing the biggest tantrum over nothing. And I was, I don't know, I was scrolling through social media one day and I found it was a dad actually who was talking about how he manages tantrums with his his toddler. And he's like, I stoop down to their level when I find myself getting frustrated, just take a beat. I literally squatted down, looked her in the eye. Gave her a hug, and I said, baby, what do you need? I want strawberries. She was crying for strawberries. I was like, okay, I will stop what I'm doing. Give me strawberries. Instantly, she stopped the whining. She sat at the bar with her iPad, ate her little strawberries. Now, in that moment, because I had a million and one things going on, right, I could have easily just gotten frustrated and went off. And that would have only exasperated the situation. But it was like, girl, what you need? But tell tell me what, what you really need. Like, Not- I think that for me, it's it's wonderful having a partner that you're raising your child with. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's great. I feel like there's a butt coming. But I think that I'm in that that stage where I, and I don't want him to hear this and take it the wrong way. I wish he were here more and able to be more present during the day. Like, it, 
this this schedule that we're on worked perfect when Chloe was a baby. Yeah. When she was younger and, you know, now it's navigating because it's like I think it makes me feel guilty because there are times when she comes home and she's like, are daddy coming home? And you overcompensate for that because you don't want to feel bad. That's, that's, that's why I feel so much guilt. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, let me like you know, let me make sure you know you're you're good. Let me do this. Let me you know, let me not take away too much time and attention from that. And then it's also because like, you know, like Ron, Ronnie's mom stays literally five minutes from us, if that. But I'm never going to get to the point where I ask her during the week, you know, hey, I need a break. Can you watch Chloe for a couple hours just because she already does it on the weekend. And while I know it's something she enjoys, like because in the event that we have something planned where we have to keep Chloe and we have to tell her that Chloe's not coming, you can definitely tell that her whole like mood is different because she's looking forward to spending time with her granddaughter. And so it's like Amari's not here. Because that was my other, you know, where I could take a beat and be like, you know what, I need a break. I need to get out of the house for a few minutes. Can you watch your sister? She's not here. She's away at college. And my sister lives on a good day, 20 minutes from me. But she stays on 521 and 521 traffic, for those of you who know, you know. Which makes it more than 20 minutes. Yeah. And so by the time I get Chloe packed up to take her there or even to her guy mom, it's like by the time I've done that, I'm defeated and I don't I, I don't have the energy to do whatever I was planning to do to get out the house to like just take a beat. I just want to come back home and rest. And then it's like, oh, it's time for me to go back and get her. So it's just <clears throat> I don't know. I got to get to a point where I'm okay with doing things for me and getting back to, you know, those things that make me happy or, and and I'm not saying I'm not happy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like just the things that make me me. I understand. I would encourage you. And I don't know if you've done this already, but I would encourage you to talk to Ronald about this. Talk. Like, seriously, tell him, y'all know this is something that we would probably just say on the phone to each other. So y'all are getting the inside track here. I would tell, talk to him about this feeling of mom guilt. And it's not, it's not making him feel bad for not being there, but saying, hey, I've noticed this thing and I need to work through it. I don't think that I can work through it without your support. So that would mean in spite of the different schedules that y'all have, while you and him will make time for each other in that same space, you have to also make time for yourself and sit in. Sometimes we want to get rid of the the feeling that we have. We just want to fix it and make it go away. But sometimes we have to kind of trud through that feeling and sit with it and just let it happen. But yeah. do the thing anyway. I mean, and the thing is, like, I've talked to him about it. And, 
what I love about him is that he's always so open to doing whatever it takes to help, you know, alleviate what I'm feeling or to kind of, and like, he even gets on me like, okay, well, like he will tell y'all like, (laughs) he's my biggest supporter when it comes to that creative side of me. He's like, Mm -hmm. well, okay, what do you need? Let me do this. What do you like? Let me get you this. Let me get that. Like, okay, we'll do that, do that. So it's more so about you getting out of your own way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that part. (laughs) Which I think that is a good segue to lead us into because sometimes, you know, having those kind of conversations with your partner and other people, they're uncomfortable. They're not, they're difficult because like we can hear it in our heads what we need to say. But then sometimes when it comes out and we hear it out loud, it's intimidating almost. So, you know, that's a good segue into our next topic. As a Black woman, and this ties into having difficult conversations, and this is a big thing for me, it is very, very hard for me to ask for help. It is very hard for me to not just admit to myself Mm -hmm. that I need help, But having to articulate those words to somebody else makes me feel like the weakest individual ever because I have been so grown for so long in my life Mm -hmm. that it's I have all of these resources, all of these things that could help me through this. And I feel like I'm the dumbest individual in the on the planet when I have to ask somebody for help for help. And I never want to feel like I'm a burden mm-hmm. to people because like, this is something that I talked about with my therapist. That's deep rooted from like my abandonment issues as a as a kid, mm-hmm. always feeling like I was a burden yeah. to somebody. So I'm going to take it all in. I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to ever tell anybody that I need help. I'm going to seek out the solution on my own, no matter how long it takes me. And so sometimes it's just give up the ghost, girl. Just say the words and the worst that somebody can tell you is no. Right? It's it's funny because that absolutely makes me think about one of the things that Sarah J. Roberts said at the Hope Revival. She said that oftentimes, you know, we get to a point in life with God, and this is with everything I feel, where we're desperate. You know, we're desperately, we're desperately seeking God or whatever the thing is that you're seeking. But however, because we're so prideful, yep. we can't admit that we're desperate. And oftentimes, It's in that admitting of our desperation that the breakthrough comes through, that God comes through and shows up and shows out, or that we get what we need. But because we are too prideful to admit that we're desperate in that moment, we miss out. That's a word. On. And that's literally, like, that was Monday. Yesterday, I was reading Proverbs, and Proverbs 1 and 7 stuck out to me. And, it like, It was just like, you know, it's the scripture basically where it says that the fear fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and that fools despise wisdom and knowledge. 
And so for me, it was like having fear of God is it's it's reverence. It's holy reverence. Yeah. And it was it's 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 a fear because of knowledge of knowing him. It's, you know, and it's like in those moments of those conversations, it's like it's almost like a fear and it's a uncomfortableness of putting yourself out there or saying how you feel because one you don't want it to come out a certain way and then that person that you have to say it to doesn't receive it the way you intended or two you haven't quite figured it out yourself so it's like if I say it right now it's not gonna get it's not gonna do what it needs to do so I I think that for me like with those having those difficult conversations even about mom guilt or white wife guilt or even just about my desires and what I need or what I want or goals and you know it's it's like I say them in my head and then I'm like okay yeah 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 but then sometimes when I get ready to say them out loud and I'm looking at Ronald, or I'm looking at my kid or I'm looking at you know whether it be something for work it's like I think I'm gonna hold on to it a little longer never mind yeah I am I'm the same way having car hard conversations the fear and anxiety that you feel obviously come from a million different places and emotions right it's one being vulnerable, speaking your truth. A lot of times the deep, dark, ugly things that we have inside of us sometimes have to come up. There's also this sense of, I don't want to damage this relationship with the words that I'm saying. So I'm trying to tread lightly, but I also have to be honest with you. And it's the fear of it not being received in the way that you want to and not being able to come to the reconciliation after you said the words, right? Mm -hmm. I have an example of this from work. It was a very uncomfortable conversation that I had to have with a colleague. And it had been bubbling for a few weeks, right? I was frustrated with this person about his communication style and kind of just how he was approaching some tasks for this project that we were doing. And he was also frustrated with me because he had this idea in his head of something that he thought that I was supposed to do. And when I came back and told him that I decided I'm not doing this thing, <laughs> he was highly offended by me saying that. Now, the problem is there was another person on the call with us when all of this came to a head. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she had absolutely nothing to do with any of this. So when I made the declaration, hey, I decided that I'm not doing this event. I don't think it makes sense for the purpose that we tried to do it for. Let's find a different way to do this. His accusation of me was that I didn't care enough about the project to just do the thing. And so instead of jumping in and battling with him, I let him say everything that he needed to say and get it out. And as he kept talking and all the accusations were flying against me, my heart started racing. I was sweating. And I had to find a way. And this was not like to one-up him. 
but to also demonstrate how you communicate with somebody when you're when like you're not pleased with the behavior. It's not the person, it was the behavior. Right. And so I basically told him like I hear what you said. I heard what you said. I'm still not doing this thing. So basically I said what I said. We have to find a different way. I said what I said. And also the same those things that you said to me and the way you said it is the is exactly the reason why I'm about to say what I'm about to say to you. The way you communicate is very brash and you don't always explain your thoughts completely where everybody is on the same page, right? right. As I was saying those words to him and trying really hard to be respectful, trying really like to choose my words wisely so that like, I can't control you being offended by what I'm saying, but I do need to also make sure that my message is being conveyed mm-hmm. properly. As I'm talking to him, he Googled the word brash and then accused <laughs> me of saying that he was brash. And I had to correct him and say, no, I know you, the person. I'm not saying that you are that word. The way that you communicate, I'm describing the behavior, right? Right. And I think a lot of times having difficult conversations can come off as an attack of the person when what I'm trying to address is a situation mm-hmm. or a behavior, right? And it's very hard when it's a heated conversation. Can we just like agree that a lot of times that that's the case when you have to have a difficult conversation with the opposite sex? <laughs> Because I completely believe that they hear what we're saying, but that one thing that's the worst out of the, like, I could have, like, complimented you, and then the one thing that I said is what you harp on and hang on to, and you feel so attacked about. They make a sweeping generalization about one small piece Mm -hmm. And apply it to everything you said. Correct. Because... When I have to have a difficult conversation with my husband about a behavior or a lack thereof, oh, I'm just a terrible father, or I'm just not the man that I'm not giving you, you what need you need me to be, you know. So what? What are we gonna? You want to divorce me now? Oh, where did that come from? That's like, a, well, I won't share that. That's your story. <laughs> I mean, it's a conversation just like, about the retirement plan. Oh, yeah. But it's just like, first of all, do you even know how much courage and, it took, and how right. much effort it took for me, one, to even bring this to you? And I'm trying really hard mm-hmm. to be respectful of the person, but I have to say what's on my heart. Because if I don't tell you, you don't know. There's right. no way to fix it. And <clears throat> for people who are not as, you know, self-aware or... <laughs> who don't focus as much on like trying to be the best version of themselves. When you try to come to them and have a difficult conversation, it's just really hard to convey. I am not saying you are a bad person. What I'm saying is this behavior or this action makes me feel some type of way. And Mm -hmm. I need to address that. 
Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. I care about you, the person. But I need you to know that this thing that you did is really bothering me. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk to you about it. Agreed. And it's, listen, and like literally when you were talking about the coworker, that literally made me think about like, I'm not an avid Real Housewives of Atlanta watcher, but Amari is. And there's this one clip that she always plays between Nene Leakes. And I think it was, or it was, it was one of them and Candy. And she's like, I said what I said. And then Candy says, well, what you said was some bullshit. Correct. And, and I think that also like being, you know, a black woman, having those difficult conversations, particularly in corporate America, it's difficult to navigate because as a black woman, you will quickly be labeled as the angry black woman just because you're passionate about it. And I remember having a conversation with an old coworker and we were in a meeting and like her and I had previously talked about it and we felt the same about the issue. And so when we got in the meeting and she's speaking up about it and she looks to me for, you know, me to co-sign or to have a give a comment. And all I said was, I agree. And that was it. And after the meeting, she's like, well, I expect that you to have more to to say, you know? And I was like, you know, you can say all of those things and it, it comes off well and it's received well. But when I say those same things and I feel the exact same way as you, it comes off as me being angry or me being upset or you know, me just always having something negative to say, even though it's something that you and I both are passionate about and we feel the same way and we're essentially saying the same thing. But for the sake of perception, yeah, I I said I agree. It's rough now. It's rough navigating the corporate world in that sense. Mm -hmm. I am fortunate enough that But I think this also comes with having time in. I've been with my company for a long time. I know a lot of people. I've sat at some really big tables being, I would think, kind of young in my career. And I kind of have the, what one of my old leaders called political capital to be able to kind of express myself freely. But I always preface the conversation with, you know, this may sound harsh or this may sound not 100% politically correct, but this is how I feel. And fortunately, I'm, I work in a culture where mm-hmm. you don't have to be, like, it's not so tightly wound. You know, express yourself and then we'll deal with things later. But I but, think that... <laughs> I think that we all kind of get to a point where we navigate like that. But I feel like that's not something we should have. Our our counterparts without the melanin do not have to preference their passions and their arguments by saying this may sound harsh or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that it's like. No, I get it. And for me, my voice is 
I talk loud, mm-hmm. number one. My voice has a lot of bass in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm normally the person in the meeting speaking up on the things that everybody's thinking about. Mm-hmm. That, that you no. know, I've just kind of grown into, and I and this is because I've had other Black leaders who I've seen demonstrate this. See, and um, that's the pivotal thing, though. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. If you feel some type of way, we can address it respectfully now or Agreed. we can take it offline. If it starts to get to a place where it's like disruptive and it's not productive, yeah. we're, we're going to table this See, and like, take it offline. And but, I, I think that like, in the the company that I used to work for, the representation, yeah, was not there. Like in leadership, it was not there. I mean, even just as a whole, it just was not there. Yeah, and it's it's difficult in those situations when you don't have that representation, and then you are seen that way, and it's like. But she just said the same thing I said. Right. So, you know, like, I, I used to get, I would get petty with it. I would funnel it through coworkers and let them say it. And then kind of just be like, okay, well, when it came, when you asked me for my opinion, okay, well, then I'm going to go ahead and put my two cents in it, even though it probably originally came from me. But it's sad that we live in a day and age where we have to do that. Like, if the representation is not there and I've gone in this company alone, I have gone up for jobs, like not my current company that I did work for. I've gone up for jobs where I ran circles around the other candidates. Yep. And just because, you know, Say it. Say the words. Listen, for lack of better, <laughs> the PC version of it, of this, the color of my skin and the passion behind my words, I was turned down for positions are having to feel like because I'm a black woman, I can't speak up about something I'm passionate about. I can't advocate for this if I want to move up in this company. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, like, that didn't sit well with me. Like, I remember before I left there, my boss <clears throat> was a he was a black man, but his boss was not. So there was only so much he was gonna be able to do to advocate for me and what he knew I deserved that would get shut down because when it would go further up, it's like, oh no, yeah. we're gonna go ahead and give this to Susie. I'm, I'm sorry, Susie don't necessarily have to be a white woman, but we know she ain't black. In this scenario, she is not black. So it's it's like those kind of situations. I think that even for us, for women, black women, that trickles into the home because it's like you're at work for a big bulk of your time of the day. And to have to stifle who you are and to kind of put yourself in a box to not be able to speak up on how you feel and have those difficult conversations without being seen a certain way. Then when you get in your home life, in your personal life, it's like you're already in that box. And so trying to navigate out of that 
becomes even more difficult because the last thing you want is for your spouse or your children or your friends to be like, oh, she always negative. She always got something bad to say. So it's like, how do we get to that point where we're good? Like, you don't want to be monotone. You don't want to not express how you feel or, you know, show the passion behind how you feel just because it's seen a certain way. But at the same time, you want to be able to articulate how you feel without feeling that you're perceived in a negative light. Yeah. That one is... It's hard. And like I mentioned before, it's I can only control myself mm-hmm. and I'm going to try my best to be respectful and uh, this is for personal relationships come from a place of love right Mm -hmm. but I can't control what you heard coming from me and how you decide to feel about what I said now you can always say this makes me feel like blah and then we can continue to have a conversation so that I can clarify my point of view But if you just instantly become offended and you shut down and now you're pissed off because I said anything about the situation to begin with, okay, that is, that's that's something different. But I have learned that I just have to say the things and whatever happens after I say the things, it kind of is what what it it is, is. but I cannot continue to hold it and it's constantly got a hold on my thoughts and I am constantly thinking about it mulling it over I'm upset with you or I'm still feeling some type of way and you are living your best life like you have no no idea I got all this going on that you all stewed up inside (laughs) and so I can either choose to say I'm just not gonna worry about it anymore or I'm just gonna put my big girl panties on and say okay we're doing this with right. the sweat and the racing heart and all of that and then we just kind of figure out where to go from here and I think that I think that you know that that works when you know it comes to your personal life especially when you're dealing with adults now when it comes to having said difficult conversations with your children for me, it's always, uh, I have to like mull the conversation over and I have to play it in my head first and like really contemplate and choose my words just because <clears throat> I'm big on trying to break these generational curses over here. And I don't want to repeat some of the mistakes I felt that I, that I saw or experienced as a child yeah. between me and my mother. So it's like, let me try to, you know, get this in a healthy manner to where this may, I know this is going to be a conversation that you're not going to like. And and that's fine. Like, <clears throat> now in those instances, I do and I will and I have preference to my children. You don't have to like what I'm about to say to you. But you will respect it. Yeah. And it's fine. You can be upset with me and you can feel a feel and you can feel how you feel and you can be in a mood if you want to be about it. However, 
at the end of this conversation, I need to know that you understood what I said and that you understand where it's coming from. Yeah. And ultimately that you know that although you're not happy with what I'm saying to you, I still love you and this is coming from a place of love. It's, it's definitely a different vibe talking to your kid, having difficult conversations with your kids than it is with other adults. Um, like it's a different vibe when it's your coworkers. It's a different vibe when it's your friends. It's a different vibe when it's your spouse. But yeah, it's just, who has time to be holding on to that stuff? And I know that it's hard. It's, you just don't know what's on the other side of it. And I think that's what kind of makes it really difficult to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just, you got to navigate through those, feel, like you know, they say if you're scared of something, do have courage is not the absence of fear. It's doing things in spite of. You just got to do it anyway and just, you know, let the person know I'm coming to you from a place of respect. Or I'm coming to you from a place of love, but mm-hmm. I cannot hold on to this any longer. I have to address it with you. and. Like we talked about managing relationships at our big age. Yes. You know, either this is the beginning of the end or this is the opening of a new chapter, a different a, a different chapter in our relationship because we've been able to manage through this difficult thing. And may, hey, it may take a few weeks to kind of recover from having that difficult conversation fine. or a couple of months. And that's totally fine. Or... We can nip that in the butt. That person could be like, I had no idea that me doing that, saying that made you feel this way. I apologize. What can we do to fix it? That is like the perfect scenario. But there are going to be other times where that person's really offended or really hurt that you even brought it up. Or when they respond with a, I'm sorry, you feel that way. That is. Are you sorry? Are you? You're not. You're just saying you're sorry. Because you think that's going to get me to shut up. Think how I feel, not the issue at hand. Absolutely. Not the behavior. So, yeah. But, you know, hey, to each his own. Do it in spite of the fear and anxiety. And in my case, the racing heart and the sweat. Right. You know, because we said all at the same. Sometimes you got to put your big girl panties on. Put your big girl panties on. And just get the shit done because at the end of the day, whether it's mom guilt, wife, friend guilt, having difficult conversations with friends, family, coworkers. How you on their bullshit? Like, sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta decide between you and the situation. Absolutely. And what I've kind of start, what I'm starting to see is ultimately, even with my guilt, if I don't get a handle on it and I continue to allow it to consume me, then I'm not going to be able to be what I need to be for everybody that I am in my life. Absolutely. And I want to show up and be 100% for everybody as as much as I possibly can and sometimes that means we gotta talk about the hard stuff 
whether it's my kids, my spouse, friends, family. But as mentioned before, the I don't care is strong. I put Listen, my y'all, before we started recording, she had already said, fuck them kids. That is what I said in response to her mom guilt. Yes. I mean, kind of, yes, but also we got to address. Yes. The mom guilt is valid, but also sometimes it's fuck them kids. I'm not going to argue with you about brushing your teeth. You want to have funky breath? Go to school with the funky breath. I'm not, I'm not doing this with you. That was my fight this morning, guys. My four-year-old, like, she went in the bathroom. She got on her step stool. She pulled out her toothbrush and the toothpaste, and she sat there looking at the toothbrush. And when I went to pick up the toothpaste, she was, no, I can do it myself, Mom. Okay. And so I picked up my toothbrush, and I looked at her. As I put my toothpaste on there, I said, listen, good sis, today ain't the day. This ain't the morning. I'm going to put this here toothpaste on my toothbrush. I'm going to proceed to brush my teeth floss, rinse my mouth, do all the things. And if by the time I am complete with my task, you are not complete, I will leave you down here and your father can help you with your teeth. And she looks at me and she's like, no, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. But yeah. So, you know, it was a whole ordeal. But at any rate, I have to sign off because I need to go now host another podcast for work, which is why I have makeup on and real clothes. Which today. is why she's looking very presentable. And listen, I gave y'all all I could give y'all the last podcast. Not sure if y'all caught a few of those. But if there's a clip of this one, you will see what I mean. Today has been a day for me. We're going to be okay, sister. I promise. And we're going we're gonna to address that mom guilt. If I have to come whisk you away from the house. Listen. And just tell Ronald, hey, deal with it. Just keep her alive until we get back. Oh, he's just gonna his mom's. All right. Well, we are signing off of this episode of Unsolicited Gems where we gave you all the advice you didn't ask for. And until next time, bye. Bye.